0: Coming up, neck lumps, exposition dumps, and moo-moo frumps. We're also going to drink, make a quick phone call out into the ether, and we're going to totally ignore the advice of clergy and see if we can get possessed. Maybe you'll get possessed. Maybe Maybe you'll get repossessed. We don't know. Not to mention, finally, we're going to succumb to peer pressure and discuss the Conjureverse during the Ask the Goat segment. All of this and ever so much more on this malefically malignant episode of Kiss the Goat.
1: surprisingly heavy and annoyingly creaky doors to the online shrine to satanic cinema have once again swung open wide. Leave your weapons at the door, kick your shoes off, and kiss your sanity goodbye. The candles have been lit, Stephanie has been deloused, and the ritual is about to begin. Pull up a chair and sit on the floor and remember, all are welcome here in the
0: dark. This is episode
1: 55
0: of Kiss the Goat, and welcome to it. We've talked a lot about demonic possession and Catholicism and exorcism on this show because, I mean, fuck, do you know us? Do you know who we are and what we do? Jesus. God's damn! But folks, welcome to the show. This particular episode is going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Tell them why. Because
1: it's our show and we can do what we want. Well, yeah, but tell them why. What makes this episode different from all other episodes? Because this is my birthday episode. <laughs> That's right. X is celebrating his birthday as of this recording, which is a few days in the past from when you're listening to this. But anyway, tell them how old you are. No. No. Come on, tell them how old you are. No, what the
0: fuck is this? Like some kind of horrible office party where we just get a sheet cake from the Publix and decorate the conference room with a bunch of black balloons that say, Over the Hill, or You're Gonna Die Soon, or Chomp That Grave Dirt With Your Discount
1: <laughs> False Teeth, Motherfucker. <laughs> All right, fine. You don't have to tell the people that you're 52 years old now. God damn it, woman. <laughs> fine. 52 years old, are you happy now? Well, I'm happy we decided that for this episode, you get to pick any movie you wanted. Well, it's a gift to me. I can't guarantee it's going to (laughs) be a good thing for anybody else. (laughs) On this episode of KTG, we are going to look at a possession movie of a different kind with the pseudo-Native American horror movie, William Girdler's The Manitou.
0: Look, I enjoyed this weird
1: fucking movie, and guess what? I'm old, so I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. (laughs) You know, I think Stephanie said she was going to make you a birthday cake.
0: Oh, great. Yeah, let the feral girl who lives on our fucking cellar into the kitchen. Let her work an oven. Great idea. Honestly, though, you know, a chocolate cake sounds good. I would like that. That seems nice. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't eat all of it because it's too rich for an old sucker, but, you know, a nice just three-layer chocolate cake. that I, I would accept that. Oh, I think that's
1: sweet, Grandpa. What? Well, I mean, we do have two grandbabies. That doesn't mean you get to call me Grandpa. Fuck. <laughs> well, before we get into X's birthday celebration, let's get into something else. It is time for The Devil in the Details, our roundup of snippets of Satan stuff.
0: This episode's story takes two of the things we love to talk about horror movies and the devil and smashes them together into one big bologna and potato chip sandwich.
1: Ooh, you would eat that?
0: Oh, on white bread. Moist, close to molding white bread. That's gross. With mayonnaise. That's nasty. Well, there seems to be an outbreak of demon possession in the Philippines, and according to Father Ronnie Ablong – it might be Ablong. It looks like Ablong. (laughs) I don't know. know. Anyway, Father Ronnie, uh, he says that some of the possessions can be attributed to watching horror movies.
1: Yeah, Ablong has been conducting exorcisms in the Philippines since at least 2018, Uh, He insisted in the investigation of students at a school in Sikihor, I think is how you pronounce that, all of whom seemed to display symptoms of demonic possession. To Ablong's credit, he said at the time that there was not enough proof to definitively blame Satan for the behavior of the students, who seemed to be easily agitated when not in a trance state Oh, that just sounds like puberty. Right? That just
0: sounds like somebody didn't get to watch episodes of Daria when they were young.
1: boo fucking hoo. Ablong said that living in sin or practicing occult rituals could lead to individuals being possessed. Oh, we're when, fucked. I know, right? When Ablong took over a parish in Dumaguit, Dumaguit, Y'all, bear with me. Yeah, I don't, we know don't know these Philippine names. You
0: don't know how to say words.
1: Anyway, when he took over this parish, he was immediately presented with a woman who was allegedly possessed by Satan.
0: The woman admitted that she had cast a spell on somebody and that her family had a tradition of practicing witchcraft. She must have also come from a tradition of watching American horror movies.
1: Here's part of a Facebook post Ablong wrote in March 2021. I have been exercising a young woman for many weeks now. 39 demons have already been cast out. Five of these demons come from the movies the Demoniac had watched. The names of the demons are either the primary or secondary characters of these movies. Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) First, Valak from the movie The Nun. Oh, God. That movie sucked. (laughs) Second, it gets better. Hang on. Second, Esme, colon, from the movie Twilight.
0: I never saw it. I never saw Twilight because I respect my filthy self
1: far too much to subject myself to that kind of madness. Third, Sylvia Ganesh from the movie Drag Me to Hell. Oh, the old woman who tried to kill the blonde girl with office supplies in the car.
0: <laughs> That's a great movie. Fuck, we covered Drag Me to Hell. Years ago, back on episode 29, if anybody really wants to hear us love that movie out loud. Fourth, Diana Walter from
1: the movie Lights Out. Okay, I
0: saw Lights Out. We own Lights Out. I barely remember what the fuck happened in Lights Out. (laughs) Was Diana Walter really like a demon, or did she just hate bright rooms like a mogwai? Like don't, you, like don't
1: feed diana after midnight <laughs> well fifth annabelle from the movie annabelle oh fuck you what yep god's there Raggedy ann
0: okay to be fair the first annabelle movie was kind of boring but the two sequels were actually pretty good as far as the controversy goes well ablon
1: goes on to say warning Please do not mention or pronounce their names, because doing so will empower them, or you will be harassed. Oh, okay. So, don't say the names. Right.
0: Of the fictional characters. Right. Like we just did. Yep. Does that work? (laughs) I mean, are you possessed right now? (laughs) Are any of our acolytes possessed right now after that? Can we
1: do that with other non-existent characters? I don't know. Pazuzu. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe we should exercise some caution. Damien Thorn. <laughs> okay, we get it. Casper. <laughs> Perfect. What if we're liable now, X? <laughs> what if somebody says they're going to sue us because they got possessed by, I, I don't know, fucking Frankenhooker because they heard us say their name? Fuck litigation. Let him go to the Philippines and let rabbi name drop work on them. <laughs> it's Father Ablong. What the fuck ever? <laughs> well, Father Ablong says he wants to warn everyone of the certain danger of patronizing horror films or films that delve with magic and witchcraft and that no one is possessed overnight. Possession is the result of opening a lot of doors to the devil. These doors include occultism, divination, necromancy, magic, sorcery slash witchcraft, etc. and living a habitual life of mortal sin.
0: Necromancy, huh? Mm -hmm. You know, the only person that I've ever seen attempt to bring something back from the dead was a
1: devout Christian. Yeah, how'd that work out for him? It did not work at all. (laughs) Well, I mean, isn't Christianity sort of based on necromancy? I mean, Jesus did allegedly come back from the dead.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, I never read about anyone using hoodoo to beckon him from the back of beyond. I mean, he just sort of showed up. (laughs) Three days after the crucifixion. He was like the guy who finally comes to the party when it's winding down and he's sort of pissy about it. He's like, come on, man, the night's young.
1: Yeah, that asshole. (laughs) Well, I couldn't find any videos online of Father Ablong doing long, extended exorcism rituals or whapping people on the back of their heads with a Blu-ray copy of Rosemary's Baby, but I just can't get behind him claiming he was trying to cast fictional demons out of a woman. That would be like if I was convinced that I was a
0: professional musician because I was possessed by the spirits
1: of Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, and Lawrence Welk. Shit. If you said Lawrence Welk was a demon, I'd probably fucking believe it.
0: Regardless, the fact that Father Ablog says the subject of his exorcism was possessed by a character from Twilight? (laughs) Fucking Twilight? (laughs) Is she Team Edward? I mean, does her piss sparkle? I don't know. But t- to me, that indicates that the woman has an overactive imagination and maybe some mental
1: issues that could be lessened with psychiatric help. Look, we got to give our standard warning here. Remember, guys, exorcists are everywhere. Remain vigilant. Don't get suckered by these sick fuckers. It's about
0: spectacle. It's about control. And it's about money. Your money.
1: I mean, I'm sure Father Ablon thinks he's doing a good thing.
0: Yeah, I'm not convinced it's the right thing. Hey, what are all the candles in the shrine? Birthday candles.
1: Well, because it's your birthday, and we want you to have fun. Okay, you're freaking me out right now. Hey, Stephanie set all this up. Aren't you pleased? Are you not entertained? Well, I mean, it's sweet and all, but... I'll feel better when we
0: get to talk about this episode's movie, which is a gigantic pile of
1: mishmash and mumbo-jumbo that I have loved for decades. (laughs) Well then, get ready to groove on your birthday present. Shh, it's movie time.
0: And I do want me to have fun, so I have chosen the classic from 1978, The Manitou, directed by William Girdler, one of the greatest schlock directors of all time. Girdler directed the classic nature run amok movies Grizzly and Day of the Animals. He was a Kentucky boy, much like myself. I could probably talk about Girdler More than anybody would care to listen to.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you could keep from stumbling over his name. I mean, Girdler, that's kind of a hard thing to say. It almost sounds like you've messed it up in the middle of it. It's especially hard when you're half lit. Girdler, 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 girdler. Anyway, the Manitou stars of all people, Tony fucking Curtis, as a charlatan reader of tarot cards who finds himself sucked into the metaphysical madness when one of his ex-lovers finds herself in the hospital with a ginormous mass on her neck. Michael Ansara
0: shows up as the Native American shaman who winds up being the last best hope for the woman with the mass behind her head.
1: Isn't that an old Smith song?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The girl with the mass on her neck. Behind the throbbing there lies a thunderous (laughs) desire. For exorcism. Okay, you can stop now. (laughs) That was by Morrissey.
1: Do you like that? That was was drunk Morrissey. It's fine, just... I mean, just don't do it again.
0: Let's get into the Manitou and all of its 1970s glory. We start off in a hospital, and doctors are looking at the x rays of the lump on the woman's neck, and it's growing, what was it, like 7.3 millimeters per
1: hour? Yes, something ridiculous. Just, and they, They're like, it looks like a fetus. What? <laughs> yeah, they're
0: fucking stuck. In the office where they're looking at the x-rays, one of the doctors finds a – he's looking at, like, this pregnancy chart on the wall, like, here's how babies work from zero to whatever it is, 38 weeks. And it's he's like – It's the size of a bean. It's the size of an avocado. Oh, it's right? the size of a cantaloupe." Oh, my God. <laughs> so they're looking at each other they're like, hmm, could this possibly be a neck pregnancy? Yeah. <laughs> So then we cut to Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis's character's name is Harry Erskine. Erskine does tarot readings for old women, old rich women. So it's like, I'm going to tell these ladies what they want to hear. They're going to give me money and everything is going to be just fine. Now, his first client, he gives this bitch hell. He's just like, oh, you're not going to have a great week. You're going to drop something on your foot and there'll be pain. Oh, so much pain. It'll be pain, pain, painting with the pain. And then you're going to get cheated during your weekly bridge game. And then on Thursday, mm you're going to have gas. You're going to have ended. You're going to be <laughs> farting ingested. up a storm.
1: It's going to be terrible. <laughs> That's kind of like the producers. It's, <laughs> right? He's just smooching all these old women to get their money. It's a lot like the producers. And before this woman leaves,
0: uh, she demands that Erskine give her her mystic motto. And I have to say – This line of dialogue is one of my favorite pieces of dialogue for... for
1: Guardwell the pips!
0: Guardwell the pips, and the fruit shall grow without let. (laughs) And it's so cheesy, even he can't remember how it goes ten seconds after he fucking said it. But that is, to me, one of the finest pieces
1: of American writing I've ever (laughs) heard in my life. It's good sage life advice, man. It is. Just guard your fucking pips. If you're going to have a mystic motto. It should you, be that. You can't do much better
0: than guard well the pips. Oh, if only he'd said that to Gladys Knight. Um, when the woman leaves, Curtis rips the fake mustache off of his face, and kind of slaps it onto a pole, goes into his living room, turns on some shitty instrumental disco music and pours a beer into a wine glass and just sits down for a luxurious evening of bachelorhood. You well, know, it was
1: the champagne of beers.
0: I couldn't tell what it was because it was one of those old steel cans with the pull tabs.
1: Well, I mean, it was that gold with the fucking red font. I'm pretty sure that was a...
0: I hope it was. I hope it was a Miller High Life because that man deserved to have a champagne <laughs> Of beers after dealing with Mrs. What's her face <laughs> with the bad moo-moo and the <laughs> terrible hair who gave him a lot of money hoping she could kiss him on the face lips. Mm-hmm. So anyway, while he's while Tony Curtis is enjoying his fine wine glass full of pilsner, he gets a phone call from Tumor Girl. It's Karen. Her name's Karen, and she's played by was that Susan Strasberg.
1: I don't know. She had pretty hair, though.
0: She had very pretty, very pretty hair. I just—it was Susan Strasberg. I wish that she, Susan Strasberg she wasn't wearing. Okay. It's understandable why, okay, because she's got a fucking fist on her neck. Okay. Oh, is that
1: why? I thought it was just because it was the '70s.
0: Well, that too, but I mean, now it serves two purposes. First of all, she—it's this horrible orange sort of silky
1: ascot scarf. And she wears it a lot, so I think. Oh it's, well, it was attached to her blouse, though. Do you remember when that was a thing, when blouses had this weird long scarf thing attached, and you would have to like tie it up?
0: Why would you do that to clothes? Uh,
1: because the '70s. Oh my God. But yeah, no, it was totally attached to the the shirt. It was the same color. It was like this salmon. I'm sure it was rayon from hell to breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, it had, had like, an attached neck scarf thingy. I totally did
0: not pick up on that because I was too busy wondering about, you know, the fucking rock on the back of her neck that kept growing and growing.
1: Women's clothing, man.
0: Shoo, that's awful. Apparently, tumor girl Karen and Harry Erskine used to have a thing. And so he meets her in a park. Uh, a San Francisco park, which has like a nice Buddha statue and kind of a It's a really it.
1: pretty park.
0: It's really, really pretty. So she tells him about the tumor on her neck and that they've got surgery scheduled. And he's like, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. So they take about, Jesus Christ, it felt like they took seven days yeah. <laughs> to rekindle their relationship, which ended up with them getting out of a cab in front of Harry Erskine's place is, of course, come on up for a drink. Uh, come on. How and... about another beer? Yes. Are you okay? Are you okay to drive home? You know, whatever. While he's up there with uh, Karen, he says, you know what? Let's go ahead and just do a spread. Let's do a read on your um, upcoming surgery. And then he immediately regrets it. It was a bad idea because he does not even a full Celtic cross, just a five-card spread. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing uh, the Devil card. He pulled the Tower. He pulled
1: the Tower. And the Devil.
0: And topped it all off with.
1: Death! Death! The there Death was another card. What else did he pull? The Tower of the Devil. Another Major Arcana card. Yeah, where was the Minor Arcana in his readings? Uh, it wasn't in that one, that's for sure. He had the full deck, though. But the funniest thing was, he pulled all of those cards. Um, direct, and he was like, "Oh no no no, that was just that that one doesn't count. That was practice or some some shit." And then he shuffles them again. And he's like, "I know, I know, you've got to cut the cards." So she cuts them, and then he pulls the same exact cards again in reverse,
0: <laughs> which you gotta think just cancels out the
1: original spread. You gotta think that's a bad fucking day. It's I just a- stay in the fucking house. <laughs> Be like, nope. Be like, I'm under the covers.
0: Yeah, we are rescheduling this surgery because fuck it, no, this is Fuckin not no. not great. So, uh, being a gentleman, Harry Erskine kind of puts her to bed on a pallet on the floor in front of the fireplace while he sleeps on the couch. But while she's asleep, Karen, the tumor girl, starts muttering something in a foreign language, and Harry's He's done that. Well, oh, yeah. <sighs>
1: Have I said "fucking panna witchy salatu"? No, thankfully. I think I'd kick you in the ribs and tell you to take it back.
0: <laughs> because that's the phrase Karen says in her sleep: is "pana witchy salatu," which just sounds like something you'd say in a Scooby Doo episode to make the secret panel open. It does. <laughs> the next day, Erskine drops her off for surgery, and he's like, "I got nothing to do. I can wait." And she's like, "No, that's fine. You've got a client. What would Mrs. Hertz do without you, <sighs> Mrs. Hertz? Oh, <laughs> she
1: she also has a bad day now. She's great though. This had this had like I don't know. It had like Exorcist three feels this scene with Mrs. Hertz. Okay, I want to I want to get to that, but I need to jump back because while Erskine's
0: waiting for Mrs. Hertz to show up, they're trying to do the operation in the hospital. And they've got Karen knocked out. and They've got everything covered up except that lump on her neck. Karen's in the operating theater. The doctor's there. He's about to cut into her neck. And right as he's about to start slicing, she wakes up. And the surgeon with the scalpel in his hand, you can tell he's not intending to do this. Like something else is making him pull the scalpel towards his fist. It's against it's Marvin his will. It's Yeah, it's, it's damn it, it is Marvin Mud power. So he cuts himself on the back of the wrist, and then, you know, that's going to stop any operation, because that's cross-contamination. So Karen's back in her hospital room. No (laughs) surgery was done. She's still got that thing on the back of her neck. That just keeps getting bigger. By at least seven millimeters an an hour.
1: It's kind of like that, uh, it's kind of like Igor in, uh, Young Frankenstein? Yes, and fun- yeah, it just keeps me- – the hump moves. What hump? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so now we get to Harry Erskine and Mrs. Hertz, and you were so hap- – just – you want to take the lead
1: on this part? I was. I fucking love this scene because Mrs. Hertz is just this bitter, grumpy old woman who's – she's she's like – she's kind of like the quintessential Jewish mother, right? Oh, don't mind me. I'm just in a lot of pain, you know. And she she sits down and she groans. She can't even. She doesn't even walk into his little room where he has his table and his cards set up. He sits her down in a cushy chair in his own living room, and he goes into the room and starts pulling the cards and talking to her. And he asks her which card she wants to be. Like, which card is going to
0: represent her? <laughs> like, do you want to be the Queen of Cups? No. Okay. Well, I'll put this back. Do you want to be the Queen? of uh hearts no okay I'm gonna put this back
1: too it's fine. That doesn't feel right.
0: That is not how tarot
1: works. Well the hearts isn't in tarot either. <laughs> but it's, anyway. You know He <laughs> does. They finally land on the, the Queen of Wands and she's good with the Queen of Wands. Well that's super not how Tarot fucking works then isn't it? But Jeez. in the middle of this fucking reading she starts chanting Panna witchy salad, too. And she jumps up and, fuck the cane she came in with, bitch walks out the door and he follows her. She starts, like, trembling and shaking and he's trying to call for an ambulance and the operator is like, well... Do you need the number for the hospital? He's like, no, this is an emergency. You, I guess this was before 911. He's like, you call the hospital. While he's arguing with the fucking operator, she gets up out of her chair, leaves her cane behind, and walks out the door of his apartment. So he yells at the operator again to call an ambulance, and he follows her out into the hallway. Bitch is floating four inches above the floor, down the hallway, Gets to the stairwell, yells Salatu again, and is flung down the stairs. Takes out half of the railing and the banister at the bottom, and, <laughs> and lays there bleeding <laughs> at the bottom of the staircase.
0: It's really kind of awesome. I it mean, really is. You don't see that kind of violence inflicted against elderly tarot clients a whole lot in movies. So to see that was kind of, it's, it's a bit of a shock. But it's pretty cool. So after that, I guess the ambulance comes and takes Mrs. Hertz's possessed, dead fucking body off to Potter's Bluff, wherever the fuck they go. (laughs) Um, So Harry goes to visit Karen at the hospital, and he tells the doctors that Karen was talking in her sleep, and she said, pano-witchy, salatu, which is the same thing that Mrs. Hertz said before she floated down the fucking hallway and threw herself down the steps and the doctor's like yeah it's got nothing to do with karen's condition she's stable (laughs) she's fine (laughs) what do you want me to do about this right the doctor's stumped but essentially karen has a fetus on her neck that's what they've come up with it is a fetus on her neck. And Erskine says maybe Karen's condition and why the operation to try to get the, the fetus off of her neck was because of mind control. <laughs> maybe someone is transmitting signals into Karen's head brain that makes.
1: He actually said transmitting signals.
0: <laughs> that makes other things happen. Let's go ask Karen if she knows anybody who would be transmitting signals into her brain to make shitty, weird things happen. So they go and visit Karen in her room, and uh, Erskine's like, Is there anybody that you know who could be trying to manipulate you mentally? And she starts screaming, and she says, witchy salatu." It's starting to feel like a fucking marketing concept.
1: Like she's in an MLM. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you tried Panda? What you to? I'm gonna send you an email about it, hun. Oh wait, this is 1978. There was no email. Sorry about that. No email. No hearts in the tarot deck. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about tonight. Harry goes to what appears to be a San Francisco Pirate Museum. Yep, it is at least nautical, and he knows the. It, it, <laughs> it's like pre uh, pre uh steampunk. Right, it's like a place Zach Bagans would go and talk about all the dark energy attached to a fucking porthole. Yes. Home. Harry talks to this woman named Amelia, or Amy, for a long time. Now, I guess Harry used to fuck Amelia, too? That's the impression I got. But Amy's married now to another dude who works in the Pirate Museum, and he doesn't want her doing any more witchy shit, doesn't want her doing tarot reads or contacting the other side, anything like that. So she initially declines. But after hearing the story, her husband's like, Okay, Whatever. So Amy decides that they need to have a seance at Karen's house. For whatever reason. Why a fucking seance? (laughs) Karen is not dead. We're not trying to contact Karen's spirit while she's, you know, four blocks away in the fucking Sisters of Jerusalem Hospital in San Francisco. So I don't get it. But they do it. They do it. They go to Karen's house. Karen lives with her aunt. And it's a nice big mansion of That's a pretty, house. Yeah. It, yeah. And uh, Karen's aunt is like this kind of larger woman in this nice, very pretty white dress. And she's just she sweet as can be, you know? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with her. But they're like, let's sit around the table. show we all class pans? And then Amy starts saying shit, which I think it started off in Latin and then kind of declined into sanskrit and then
1: pig latin i don't know what she was saying dude like but she was like intoning it kind of like she was singing the words which is kind of cool i kind of dig that in a ritual uh, yeah but not when they're like not when they're like trying to remember the menu
0: from a jamaican restaurant which is what it sounded like
1: i was waiting for her to do the charm of making i (laughs) am not like with us bathed like
0: I, re- I recognize the word luminare. She said luminare. Okay, yeah. so, so light. Okay, that I get. While the seance is going on, this head rises from the center of the table.
1: That was kind of a cool effect, actually. It was this octagonal. No, I don't think it had eight sides. It had like it had six sides. Yeah. Yeah, and it had like this dark piece of glass in the center of it. And this head starts forming like it was made out of liquid. It just starts rising up out of the center of this dark piece of glass in the middle of that table. Like it was vacuum formed. Yeah. It's like Han Solo rising out of the middle of the table. (laughs) 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 It's cool.
0: (laughs) Oh, if only they had frozen that spirit in (laughs) carbonite. carbonite, That would have been the best. (laughs) My favorite part is when Amy was asking the spirits to come to the house and like, I know you're out on your spiritual errands. Spiritual errands? What the fuck is that? Well, we gotta go to Ghost Kroger and then I gotta go to get some ghost fuel in the ghost car at the ghost (laughs) marathon station. Just Stupid.
1: Don't forget a pack of
0: ghost smokes. Right. I need some ghost Winstons. Oh, not Winstons. <laughs> that was the name of a Ghostbuster. But I'm thumps. So anyway, yes, this head rises up from the center of the table, and it groans like a cat in heat. It sounds like something we've heard off of the ridge. It does. So it's like a mountain cat making fuck-me noises. All of a sudden,
1: the, the door to the room explodes, and... And yeah, but the, doesn't the aunt shout "Pana witchy salotu oh, during she, this scene? You're right. The aunt screams
0: yeah. pano witchy to and the door explodes, and the table explodes, and the chandelier spins, and there's wind for no fucking reason, and none of it ends until uh, Harry turns the lights back on, and then Amy comes up with the amazing concept that it might be black magic. Karen's aunt says the thing that came through the table looked like a wooden Indian. Erskine says it reminded him of, of a medicine man. Now, when they go back and talk to the doctor, well, no, he actually apparently already got this all, but he tells everybody that the doctor says Karen's going to die if they remove the neck baby. The neck baby. So they do some research, and they come across the term Manitou. Hey, it's the title. Manitou means immortal spirit. So, when we extrapolate everything down and kind of push it into you know a large tumor sized ball, what that means is that Karen is going to give birth to a native American an ancient Native American
1: from her neck. It's such a leap. It's a huge leap. It looks like a wooden Indian outside of a general store from when I was a kid. Oh, it must be a medicine man. Oh, look, it's an ancient medicine man who's going to be born through her neck.
0: I don't know how they arrived at that particular conclusion, but they did. So they go to meet the guy who wrote the book that they got that Manitou information from. And his name is Dr. Snow. And it's Burgess Meredith with a Van Dyke mustache. He's and great. Well, that anthropologist is great. Well, the great thing about Mer- Meredith's performance in this movie is I don't think he remembered his lines half the time. He was making shit up, just so totally off the cuff. Making shit up until he could come up with what the script said, because he'd be looking like a shelf of books. And he'd be like, well, I think, according to Indian legend, this is all such a mess. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I really need to clean this up. Oh, And according to ancient legend, and just <laughs> – just, fumbling his way through the entire performance. It was fucking hilarious. Dr. Snow says that there are precedents for what's happening to Karen and Hanek, but they're only legendary. And he says if that there is an ancient Native American spirit inside of the big lump on her neck, then, quote, you do have one hell of a problem.
1: He tells them they need to find a medicine man to fight the ancient medicine man, and it reminds me of that show. <laughs> What's the name of that show? <laughs> Where it's got that woman and the cop, the ex-cop, and they go in and they investigate these families, and she's always like, you need a team of shamans. It's the and dead approach. files. <laughs> the dead files. <laughs> like you need the most ridiculous thing (laughs) so tony curtis sets off on this quest to find a fucking native american medicine man like the fuck it takes him all the way to south dakota i look can i
0: just jump in i fucking love the dead files i love amy allen so much she makes the greatest faces when she's doing shit and you're right when she meets a family she's always like you need to find 18 celtic topless dancers They need to come in carrying sparklers and a two-liter bottle of ginger ale. They need to shoot that ginger ale up and down your steps, and then they need to light a fire in your sink with charcoal lighter fluid and about 18 pounds of sage. And if you can't do that, you got to fucking move. Get the fuck out. That's the entire show. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I love that. Anyway, yes, Harry goes to South Dakota, and he's been looking for a medicine man, and at least five of them have turned him down because that's a dumb fucking request. But he meets
1: one dude named John Singing Rock. Not played by a Native American actor.
0: Nope. it's Michael and Sarah. He was from Lebanese descent. But again, looks like an Indian maybe. If you are a white American, that doesn't
1: know the difference
0: kind of how that works. The doctor doesn't want to bring a shaman into the hospital at all. But meanwhile, there's another operation going uh, with Karen, and they are decided to use what's called an optical laser. It's a laser beam. I don't know what an optical laser is. I guess that means you can see it?
1: (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) It's the machine that goes beam. It is the the machine that goes (laughs) Because
0: all of a sudden, an alarm goes off. The doctor and Harry run downstairs, and the laser's going fucking nuts. Do you remember that one scene... In Logan's Run, where Farrah Fossa puts Michael York under the lasers to do plastic surgery at the new U-Shop, yes, it's exactly like that. (laughs) Lasers just turning around and spinning and aiming at people and going nuts and hitting equipment and leaving black skid marks against the wall. It's just like that. It's great. After that... After they finally shut the power down and killed the laser, they go in there and talk to Karen, who is cowering in a corner while all this shit's going on. She tells the doctor that the thing on her neck says they must not touch him because he's in pain and he will kill you all. Now, here's another amazing extrapolation from the information that we have been given. They x-rayed the hell out of the tumor. The doctor says that the x-rays kill cells so in a fetus if you kill one cell with an x-ray you could be getting rid of an arm or a leg or something like that that the fetus needs but since they x-rayed that tumor from hell to breakfast they've apparently turned it into a monster they turned it mean with x-rays
1: yep they mutated the neck fetus that's a long fucking stretch (laughs) That is a way to go, y'all. Eh. So
0: Erskine's in North Dakota, South da- East Dakota, SM Reservation. <laughs> he finds John Singing Rock, the not-Indian performer, playing an Indian again because, remember, Michael and Sarah, back in the day, played the title role in the Cochise TV series. So he'd made a career out of playing Native Americans when he was clearly from Middle Eastern descent. John Singer Rock says, yeah, he might be able to fight this thing off, but there's such an entity called the Gitchy Manitou. Gitchy. Gitchy. Go Gitchy. Gitchy. Going to Gitchy Manitou. Gitchy. Manitou. And he's the spirit of a great medicine man. He compares them to Jesus Christ. Yes, like your Jesus or your Jehovah. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yep. The Manitou that is inside Karen's neck is almost like fourth or fifth reincarnation. Yep. Now, once it hits eight reincarnations, its spirit can join with the Gitchy Manitou <laughs> and become like super Gitchy, Goomy Manitou. I'm not sure how this works.
1: Oh, no. It's like steps to Nirvana, right? He's like the Buddha trying to get there. John Singing Rock says he will do it if Erskon donates
0: $100,000 to the Indian Education Foundation. Erskon goes, what about you? And John Singing Rock goes, I could use some tobacco. Running, I'm running low. low. <laughs> so that's it. So John Singin' Rock comes to the big city, and he's in Karen's hospital room, and he's like, Well, this is kind of fucked. So he puts a circle of sand down around Karen's bed, and he's all sand like. Sand
1: and something else. There are two levels there. One is white, and one is red. I think they're both. Got, it could be sand
0: so. and salt, but I think they're both sand.
1: Okay.
0: Because they never mentioned a salt circle. Yeah. My issue with this entire scene is that it's not really a circle. They nope. they don't move Karen's bed away from the wall so he can't get behind it. So it's like three quarters of a circle and <laughs> then
1: a baseboard. Yep. And he doesn't even land the baseboard. No. He just lets a go. full circle. And then he starts he starts.
0: Tapping these sticks or bones together, and he's just like, uh, da, da, please help I me. Think they're
1: like, kind of like rattles. They're kind of like ritual rattles. So, are they bones or sticks? Yes.
0: Okay, that's fair. While John Singing Rock is doing the tapping the bone stick rattle ritual, Karen opens her eyes. John Singing Rock's like, What is your name? What is your name? The spirit that is on her neck, it is named Misquamacus.
1: Misquamacus.
0: Harry Erskine continually calls it the Mixmaster. <laughs>
1: And it's so fucking funny, because it's totally something we would do.
0: <laughs> Miskomakas is the greatest medicine man of all time. And he wants revenge against the white man for stealing his land and killing his people. And Miskomakas wants revenge against John Singing Rock for working for the white man to get him up out of this white woman's neck. There's a lot to unpack here, and I'm not equipped to do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Erskine goes out into the hall, and the nurse is there, and she's cool, and she's like, "He's like, yeah, I got some tension. I have a lot of tension. If I need something to relieve the tension, and instead of offering him a blowjob, she gives him some Alka-Seltzer, and he drops the Alka-Seltzer tablets into the water, but they don't bubble. They don't. They, they don't, don't do the fizzy thing. Yeah, they don't do the fizzy thing. So Harry's walking back towards Karen's room. And as he approaches the door, he sees the head of the orderly who was watching Karen smash into the glass window, breaks the glass, and it's amazing. He's been skinned by Misquamacus. He's coming out. He's got powers. It's crazy. John Singing Rock calls upon all the other Manitous to keep Misquamacus in the circle. Now, here's the thing. Everything has a Manitou. People have Manitous. They're spirits. Animals have manitous, but so do inanimate objects. Like, I don't know, look to your right. I'm looking to my right. Here's an empty beer bottle. It's got a manitou. Here's 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 a bug zapper light. It's got a manitou. Everything has a manitou. I don't know if this is actually part of Native American belief. Because <laughs> I didn't look it up. I probably could have. Misquamacus is actually rising up out of Karen's back. Now, John Singing Rock's calling in elemental spirits. He's like the wind manitou and the stone manitou and the mountain manitou. He's calling all of them to try to keep Miskwemachus inside of this three-quarter circle around
1: Karen's bed. But Miskwemachus pops up out of her back. And this is actually a great bit of practical effects. It's really kind of gross, because you see his hand punch through her skin first, <laughs> and then his head starts coming out. And at this point, people who know
0: will know, but Miskvamakas is played by Felix Silla, who also played Tweaky the Robot in the Buck Rogers and the 25th Century TV show. Oh. People say you don't learn nothing from listening to this fucking show. ha. <laughs> I got trivia out the butt.
1: He uh, he punches his way through her back skin. Yeah, which <laughs> is kind of like me eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. And he's like three feet tall. He's like a fucking hobbit with a six-pack. Dude, he's, he's ripped from hell
0: to breakfast. He is a tiny, tiny ancient medicine man. Yes, he is. And when he comes out of Karen's back and starts – you know, he's trapped inside the circle because John St. Gingrock has called on every Manitou he can fucking think of to keep Miskimachus
1: inside the sacred area. If you look real close – He's got a big fucking butt. He does, and he's got a big fucking brow too. Like he's just overly developed forehead. Just mono brow and mono ass. Just yep. (laughs) It's just
0: right. You can't not see it. Once you know, you know. He's got like this Kardashian ass to him. It's crazy. Misquamacus at this point is not strong enough to break the circle, and John singing rocks are like, well, I called in the Manitou's of uh, a bush and
1: mountain, river, mountain, wind,
0: river, wind, an empty Big Mac container,
1: <laughs> this office chair, a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and somehow Karen's still alive. Yeah. I'm not really sure how this is, is is happening, because if I had an entire human being, you know, pop its way out of my back skin, I would probably be dead. It's like a really big zit. It's a four fucking foot tall zit. Yeah. I'm amazed that she's still alive. Curtis, I mean, Harry Erskine, excuse me, he wants to call the cops. But John Singing Rock says, well, don't do that, because guess what? Guns have manatees." Yeah. <laughs> And Miskwamakas will take the gun manit- gunnatoos and turn them against the police. And they will kill themselves with their own weapons. So that's not going to work. Misquamacus, of course, is trying to build his power and get all puffed up. The orderly that he skinned, for some reason, is still in Karen's room. They ain't moved him. Mm-hmm. There's another orderly who's about as useful as the cops outside the Godfather store in the first movie. Miskwamakas makes the dead orderly's body rise up and attack the living orderly who's asleep in a chair outside of the hospital room.
1: And he's growling like a fucking Fulci zombie. It's great.
0: Uh, He is stopped by John singing rock, but then Miskwamakas, through Karen, says that he's going to destroy everybody, all the people. And he breaks that circle of sand, potentially sand and salt, whatever, but he breaks the circle with mind bullets. He uses (laughs) telekinesis to... Just break that circle and start walking through it. (laughs) And then Miskimachus summons up one of the most evil Indian demons that you can think of, and it's called the Lizard of the Trees. And really what it is is a superimposed Hala monster coming right out of Miskimachus' groinal area through the circle, and the lizard bites the doctor on the hand. And it's apparently real because his hand is bleeding, and the orderly is like, we need to get bandages and, I don't know, a tourniquet? (laughs) Why do you... (laughs) Fucker, no. (laughs) He didn't bite the hand off. He just bit it. You don't need a tourniquet. What is your fucking problem? When Harry Erskine goes back upstairs after seeing, I guess, making sure that they didn't put a tourniquet on the doctor's hand because that's ridiculous, the entire floor that Karen is on has been turned into, like, an ice cave.
1: It's awesome. There's, like, giant icicles hanging from the ceiling and shit. And the nurse that was behind the the, the station is frozen solid,
0: and she's, like, got one hand up and the phone in the other hand. She's just frozen, and it's really kind of cool. Inside Karen's room, there's John Singing Rock, and he tells Harry Erskine, Well, I tried to stop Miskimacus, but he hit me in the face with a bunch of surgical instruments. <laughs> I am yep. bleed I am bleeding now, and now I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. The demon that created the ice capades on the hospital floor was called is that the Starbeast? It was a spirit of the North Wind. And while they're walking through the hallway to get to the elevator to take care of John singing Rock, attack or Miskal whatever short Mixmaster. Mixmaster attacks and blows them against the wall. And there's snow and there's ice and there's snowballs and maybe a Yeti man too. I don't even know how that works. <laughs> but it all ends when Harry Erskine throws a fucking IBM typewriter at Guamacus and it explodes.
1: Threw a typewriter and he exploded. Typewriters don't explode. <laughs> Everything exploded in the 70s. We've had this discussion.
0: This... <laughs> This is not a gasoline-powered typewriter. I don't think there was ever such a thing. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. So while they're in the office taking care of John singing rock, there's kind of an earthquake. Like, everything kind of rumbles and shifts, and people fall down like the Enterprise just got hit by a proton
1: torpedo. Yeah, it was great, though, dude. You could, like, see the floor twisting and bending. I thought that was pretty awesome, too. I'd like to have seen that set when that happened, because that wasn't, like, that wasn't just a... Camera effect. They didn't just move the fucking camera around while people threw themselves back and forth. No, there were like teamsters involved. Yeah, you could see the floor <laughs> bending. You could see the bookshelves twisting. It was pretty fucking cool.
0: After the earthquake, John Singing Rock decides Miskomakis has called the oldest demon of all, and they actually call it the Great Old
1: One. And he says Lucifer, the devil, whatever you want to call it. And I thought Cthulhu was going to show up.
0: Right. <laughs> You don't call somebody a great old one and they don't have tentacles. That's just, that comes with it.
1: There are older and fouler things in the deep places of the earth. Oh
0: gods. So the great old one's on its way, and Erskine says, hey, there's a lot of big fucking 70s computer equipment in this hospital, isn't there? And, dude, it's all the blinky lights. All it's of the blinky computer lights. Computer banks to take up an entire wall and the lights blank, and there are gauges.
1: I'm surprised they didn't call it Mother.
0: They totally should have. But <laughs> apparently, there's that shit all over the hospital. Erskine's idea is, we will turn on all these big... Fucking computers at the same time, which are apparently on 220 or 240, 220, 240, whatever it takes. They are on a larger power supply. We'll turn them all on at the same time. And then, John rock, you can direct the Machine Manitous to mess up Misquamacus. So many M's in what (laughs) I just said. But it's an idea that's so crazy, it just might work. So now we're here for the final boss battle. Jesus Christ, it took a while to get here, but here we are. All the computers come on, because that doctor who got his hand bit by the lizard of the tree of the star beast the the thing he turns the computers on in his office and every other computer comes on and it's just an overload everything's in overdrive electricity fills up the room and the doctor explodes
1: <laughs> I told you everything exploded in the 70s you know you blew up real good it was
0: really pretty A fucking bloom. cool just flying but john singing rock is like well the machine manatees won't come how come well because you're
1: white It's white man medicine, he says. It's white
0: man's medicine. I can't do this. Meanwhile, inside Karen's room, I I don't know how to say this except to say it. Karen's room is in space. (laughs) It's an illusion, he says. Her bed is floating in space. You can see the
1: door from inside her room and see the hallway, but everything else... It's its like Monty Python's Meaning of Life, where they walk through the door and they're walking out into outer space. Yes,
0: it's, ex- it's exactly it. They're in space... And the machine Manitou won't work through John Singing Rock. However, they'll work through Karen, who is somehow still fucking alive. <laughs> so there's Biscamakis and the great old one behind him, and there's Karen half naked. Yep. So if you need, if if you really need to see tits, the last ten minutes of the Manitou got
1: you covered, motherfucker. You are good. You got tits and a redhead shooting lightning bolts out of the palms of her hand like she's a fucking Jedi master.
0: It's amazing because she hits Miskimacus with her force lightning and and he finally explodes. And then she turns her attention to the Great Old One and the Great Old One is like throwing Roman candles and <laughs> asteroids and grasshoppers and just everything he can think of at her, and she's just like, "No, look at my titties!" And then it just hits him over and over again with the force lightning, which really it should have come out of her nipples. That would have been amazing. Just
1: that would have been. You know, just uh, like, "Oh damn! I killed the great old one with my tits." And I think this scene is great for a couple of reasons. For one, Satan looks like Sauron. He does. He's just this great, glowing, psychedelic, red-looking eye form out in space. And for two, the repetition. She makes the same face and the same hand motions every time she shoots her Sith powers at him (laughs) and lightning bolts fly at him. And she does it, like, six or seven times. It's just they go back and forth, and it was like a fucking, like an old video game where you're trying to shoot the spaceships or something. I don't know, and she finally defeats him with one last blast. There's so much Kubrickery, because it looks like the last ten minutes
0: of 2001 A Space Odyssey, where he's going through that weird kind of colorful portal between where he was and Jupiter. So it's like stuff flying over your head, stuff kind of flying under your chin. But it's a really cheap version of it. So it looks kind of like we threw a waffle iron at the screen and we painted it white and then we did it again and then we did it one more time at another angle. So that's what it's,
1: <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I'm pretty sure they just played that same shot of her doing the lightning bolts over and over again. Like, they just took that same clip and just kept replaying Hey, it. special effects are expensive, man.
0: Yeah, well, I so, have no doubt. it wouldn't surprise me if she was in that kind of weird-ass, I'm-posing-for-an-album-cover stance and shooting things out of my palms. It was crazy. Karen uses the machine mandatoos to destroy Misquamacus and the great old one. Everything's fine. She's fine. She's alive. She's wrapped in a towel or a blanket or some shit. I don't
1: know how that I want to know what her back skin looks like after that mess. Like, oh it's just God. hanging off in shreds.
0: But they don't address it. Nope, not at all. I'm mm. sure that'll heal up just fine. Sure. She, will,
1: she won't look like a burn victim. Give her some bactine. It'll be fine. Yeah,
0: it's, <laughs> it's fine. Put a bandage on it. It'll yeah, be all right. It's fine. It's John Singing Rock. Goes home. Misquamachus is dead. However... His Manitou is not.
1: Manitou so, lives on.
0: Misquamacus could show up at any point in time.
1: The end question mark?
0: The end. However, Harry Erskine does give him two pouches of tobacco.
1: And we all wonder how does the tarot reader living in San Francisco come up with a hundred thousand dollars to donate to the Indian Education Fund? Old women. Yep. <laughs> Just continue to bilk old women. The next forty years he's out. gonna be paying off that debt. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, what a fucking weird-ass movie. It was great. I had so much fun with that. I don't even know what the fuck just happened to my brain. I mean, Felix Sela, a hospital room that becomes some Atari version of hyperspace, a half-naked woman shooting purple force lightning out of her palms. <laughs> this movie is at least 300 kinds of crazy awesome. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, 302. It's my birthday, and I'll girdler it up if I want to. (laughs) Well, I think it's time to get a second opinion on The Manitou. What do you mean? Everybody loves this movie. Well, I mean, that might be true. I thought it was cool, especially when it went right off the fucking rails at the end. In my head, where I live in my own little
0: dreamland, The Manitou is one of the greatest movies about neck tumors ever made.
1: Well, we should still find out what someone else thinks. It's time to dial those three beautiful numbers and place a call into the ether just to see who picks up the landline of the damned.
0: You know, whoever it is, I hope they've seen the Manitou,
1: and I hope they love it just as much as I do. It's time to dial 666, the number of the geeks.
0: It's very sexy and all FM radio and shit. Um,
2: Uh, Are are, are your parts tingling downstairs, you know? It's cold (laughs) down here, by the way, you know. My God.
0: (laughs) On the line with us right now is the co-host of Cinema Beef Podcast, and he's on two drink minimum commentaries. He's got a new Legion Patreon show called Blood from the Core. Mr. Gary Hill is with us right now. Hello, sir.
1: Hey, uh,
2: I got my par- I got my park on, man. It's cold in hell today, man. That's all I'll say about that one.
1: <laughs> has hell frozen over, Gary?
2: Hell has indeed frozen over. You know, well, from from what I watched anyway, it it, it can freeze over. It's just that one floor though. Well, <laughs> it's, just... it's, it's isolated. That's just some good climate control right there.
0: <laughs> it's just it's just when the star beast showed up and froze everything
2: out. Fuck star beast, me. <laughs>
0: So what do you think See, of him? He,
2: he got the oh, I'm sorry, he got the freezing game like hoax in 976 Evil, where you know, he freezes the whole house and the land <laughs> around it. You know.
0: <laughs> now, this predates 976 Evil. But it's a film uh, I enjoy as well. well yeah, yeah okay. I like
2: I dig the man too. It's weird. But let's talk about it, man. Yeah. You know? Weird? Is that like the highest praise that you'll give it? No, no, no. Okay. I mean, when it comes to films about growths that you know get bigger and bigger and Create a nice, nice new hoodie for our <laughs> star of the film here. It is an amazing film. Come on, guys, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, it's something that grows bigger and bigger and does not involve John Holmes. So, and pretty happy about
2: <laughs> pretty, <laughs>
0: pretty happy about that. Did you consider this to actually be a possession movie, or was this more of a reincarnation movie for for you?
2: Well, it's, it's kind of both because she is uh, not in control of herself. In, in most of this film, she's controlled by this this thing that's growing out of her back. And when, when I say thing, we're, we're talking about a, a 400-year-old Native American shaman who is very angry that he's inside this white woman, apparently. And I would be, too, because he comes off very dark. And, you know, to, to be born to her, I'd imagine he'd be a lot more light-skinned.
0: <laughs> oh I was going to say, I've never been upset to be inside a white woman.
2: <laughs> All the way, though, it, like a skin well,
1: yeah, sack, you know? not, yeah, yeah, not a... like <laughs> skin sack. Oh, how
2: how were you born? Were you born in a skin sack, Derex, Or no? It's, it's, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we all were. We all we all came out and you know escaped eventually by well, feet by head.
0: They tried to do the C section and it did not work. Is it still a C section if it's on somebody's neck? Yes. I mean, what do you, what would you call that? Um
1: n
2: section, uh, a, a T section, because it's uh, it's around your shoulder blades, you know. Oh my God! <laughs> See, you know, if if, if if you know, she she spread her arms apart when they were cutting when the thing was coming out of her. She could be our Manitou's own personal personal white Jesus.
0: Jesus has nothing to do with the Manitou. John Singing Rock says that 900 times. He even uses the phrase, your Christian God, which I happen to think is one of the greatest overused phrases in movies. This has (laughs) nothing to do with your Christian God, you Earth people. (laughs)
2: And then and then Pinhead pops up and says, "Do I look like somebody who cares what God thinks?" He just yeah. pops up out of nowhere.
0: Oh man, if it had been Pinhead in her neck that would've been a whole different movie. Is this Tony Curtis's greatest role?
2: Oh, well, that goes the bad news bears go to Japan to me, you know, but not really. Um <laughs> it, it is it, it is it is one of them because he's so outrageous and these he's basically playing a huckster who's not a huckster. He seems like he knows the tarot game pretty well. You know, but he's, like, getting in there l- like uh, like, Mac- like uh, Max Bialystock. I haven't got the names right in the producers. Uh, Zero oh Macho's characters. <laughs> just, like, you know, scamming old ladies, but not fucking them. I, I imagine he slammed a couple old ladies in his day. But um, uh, hold me, hold me, sweetie, honey. You know, g- getting it in with his, his magical robe and, and, um...
1: I made that exact same comparison.
2: <laughs> oh, that's nice. See, that's, that's what we think of Lexi.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it,
2: it's one of the better ones because he, he goes all in on, it, especially towards our finale, and and he um has has to save uh the sacrificial white woman who's just kind of sleeping a lot in this movie and letting uh our small large butted friend tell her what to do, <laughs> including uh have the surgeon carve himself in the arm, which is hilarious. <laughs> He did have just a ginormous butt. Yeah, <laughs> he, he had that little person butt, and you know what? It's very rare to film, and I, I I know it was played by, like, two people, and for some reason, I remember this thing looking like that thing in Elves that was the one elf in the movie. Yeah, but, yeah. But it it looked it looked more like a mini Dan, Glenn Danzig, and I, I, I kind of like, yeah, there he is. <laughs> there's there's mini Danzig just, just hanging out with his butt out, and I doubt many little people actors, and one of them was uh, Felix... Uh, I, see, see ya, Scylla. How, how do you pronounce his last name I've always, I've always
0: said Scylla, so I, yeah. could, I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, but he's in this movie as, as one of the man two doubles and to have a little person butt hanging out and it's not pornography is pretty ballsy in my opinion. You know,
0: <laughs> that's just the that's just the learning channel now, isn't it, or Discovery? Uh, whatever those people are on. Whatever those
2: people are, on, they're on Discovery Plus for all you to enjoy. Exactly, you
0: know? it's all the same network. I don't even know anymore. Are there are different channels? What do you think "Pano Wichi Salatu" actually means?
2: <laughs> That's a good question, and I had a good answer in my brain, and it all went away now because I just I'm just thinking about white guilt and you know natives now.
1: I think it's like a conjuring. Kind of like a hey you get your shit together we're 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 reincarnating here.
2: Um, Lucky Natives Casino off of Highway 44 exit 4A
1: perhaps Jesus. you know. I'm
2: sorry, I'm sorry, but not sorry. I'm being so offensive. I'm, I'm just so mesmerized by Burgess Meredith's beard in this movie. It's, it's spectacular. <laughs> I mean, I, I made a comment on, on Facebook. I was watching this movie, and yeah, you know, well, you know, because they, inter- they have good Wi-Fi in hell apparently, and he he looks like if Colonel Sanders invited you in for a nightcap. And, <laughs> and I, I got to mention this because, you know, I, 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 I said that like a guy that we, I invite you in for sex and, and offer you chicken and biscuits and Patrick Walsh of the Scream Queens where Whore gets gay podcast, because I got to say the whole thing or he, he'll be upset by this. says he wants Burgi's sex, sex biscuits. So Burgie sex, trademarked Patrick Walsh. So if they come out with that, you got to give him some money because, you know, all y'all deep down inside want Burgi's Sex Biscuits. Just throwing it out there.
1: Burgie Sex Biscuits. I don't
0: know if I want that after Burnt Offerings when he had that. Was that a toupee? That weird brown hair and Dan Curtis kept filming him from, like, underneath so you could just see how large Burgess Meredith's nose was. It's
2: weird. You make honey in hell? Because you need honey with those, those Burgi's Sex Biscuits.
0: I, I think
1: you've got to,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> it doesn't yeah. spoil. We know that. Gotcha. How many times do you think? I can think of three. Why did they keep casting Michael and Sarah as an Indian when he was not?
2: Because he's a white, and this is something that Hollywood did. You know, we once <laughs> covered a movie on the show when I was still up on the surface called Navajo Joe, which included a uh, young Burt <laughs> Reynolds playing the titular Navajo Joe, God damn and. It. You, you know, we, we all accept, you know, our, our boy Billy Jack as as one of their own. So why not have another white as one of their own?
0: Well, Billy Jack was a half breed, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a half breed. That's how he referred to himself. In, oh in my that
2: movie. god, half breed? Seriously? <laughs> yeah, but he was he was he was a hero to the natives, you know. Another he white hero to the natives. Baby, that's and, that's
0: what happened back then. Have you have you never heard that share song, Half Breed? Mm.
2: No. Yeah. That's all she ever heard. That's all she ever
0: that's heard. All she ever <laughs> <laughs> It's true. That's a real thing, and much like the Manitou, you can't do that now. Right. You could not make this movie now.
2: Oh, it is a product of the 1970s. I, I'm gonna, I'm going to give it that. That's not even an insult. I love I love stuff like this. You know.
0: How did you feel about the um that trippy ass psychedelic ending?
2: Oh, with, with the laser blast,
1: you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, like a this, video game or some shit.
2: This is how the end of Poltergeist Two should have been, but it wasn't. <laughs> When they go to the other side and they, they see the, the grandmother floating like an angel, yada, yada, yada. You know, and our, again, our, our actual Native American, you know, throws the spear in there for the white man to save the day again. That's remarkably accurate. That's po- true. It is true. That's
0: hilarious.
2: In, the, the, in that movie, he he breathes that spiritual juju within Craig T. Nelson and imbues him with all the Native power. I think that's kind of horseshit. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Just let the white man take the shit again, you know. Just like you know, letting this supposed psychic, you know, who, who, when I, I when I say supposed, to, he the thing, he, he has real skills in the movie. He, he's a real huckster, but nobody believes this. But it is the '70s, so they believed anything in the '70s. You, you guys said S back in the day, didn't you? Or was that? Oh the yeah,
0: 80s? yeah, yeah. Nope, that was the '70s. Thanks so much for bringing that back
2: up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, the, the 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 fact that you know, they, they're they're doing they're doing it again, and the fact that our Native American who just wants a hundred grand for his Native school as payment, but he's going through all kinds of crazy shit, is um, is is, is at the helm here. The white guy saving the day works works for me so well, but like yeah, it, you it, it said, it, w- it wouldn't work now. <laughs> but the uh, the laser light show in the end, we're about to cover the whiz on Cinema Beef, and when Lena Horne shows up in that movie, it makes Gary cry every time. I, I cry a little bit, too, when I see the manatee just sitting in the stars, you know, just waiting, laughing a little bit, you know. <laughs> He's just laughing, shooting laser blasts and stuff. But wasn't even really... He's having the, a good time.
0: They, it wasn't even really the white man that won that battle. It was the white woman sitting up in bed with her boobs hanging out, shooting fucking laser blasts out of her hands.
2: No nips, though. No nips, you know.
0: It was blurry. Yeah.
1: Blurry they, they,
2: they, made sure, they made sure they covered those nips.
0: <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like Race with the Devil blurry. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> it, it was cold. It was cold in that room. Because like, oh, you've got to know. So it. They, he makes the whole floor. So those nips have been rock hard. They can't show that on screen. The Manitou, the Manitou is made for children. Kind of like Hell in the Pat Benatar song. <laughs> hey, her
1: tits have Manitou also. Like, that's right. Damn it, why that's don't we what, see titty Manitou. That's what I
0: want to know. That's what we've learned uh, from this movie everything has a Manitou. And I guess her boobs have a wool Manitou. Manitou.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Like Ma- like Man- Manitou nips that they had to cover up, you know? It's, it's, uh, did well, they, they d- provide her cosmic powers?
0: They'd be Manitou nips with big butts, which is just <laughs> a weird fucking concept.
2: Yeah, I-, I think she's had all that Manitou afterbirth stuck in that sack of hers on the back now. And that's what provided her cosmic powers. Gross. Yeah. Well, how, how is she still alive? She should be bleeding terribly, but, you know, I think... Um, <laughs> she should just be like a fucking Catherine Deneuve husk under the stairs. <laughs> much much like in Star Wars, when the lightsaber cuts off your hand, it's so hot that it's solderized. I think the coldness of the room solderized her, 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 her manitou sack, and then that's how she lived. <laughs> I this think is she's the, got the thing like, I'm going for here.
1: She's got like a cape now, like a natural, just a skin cape flapping off of the back of her neck she could just fly through san francisco yeah like
0: supergirl just show up at the san francisco pirate museum sea pirate (laughs) museum just in a in a heartbeat boom she's there
2: see this reminds me of an anecdote that john liquizamo said in one of his shows once where his dad, he he couldn't get laid, so his dad took him to the old whore that works at the KFC. And her pussy was so big that it resembled Batwing, so she flew away like Mothra at the end. As a joke, you know? <laughs> oh my god. So <laughs> I'd imagine she jumps off a building and she can glide like nobody's business with that giant sack, the Manitou sack.
0: Yeah, dude. Like a sugar glider. That's what her sugar superhero glider. name would be, be
2: sugar glider. See, if you guys didn't know, this is what happens when X and I get together. We start making up harebrained theories about shit. So, and the Manitou is no exception. <laughs> yeah. It all works. It all circles now, now, we got, now we got Cootie in the mix, and I love, <laughs> I, love <this. laughs> I
0: love it even more. You know? It's a hard movie to hate. You've really got to kind of go into it with the mindset you're going I thought Cootie would hate it. I thought she was going to just shit all over this movie, but she liked it.
1: I thought I was going to hate it, too. You kind of set me up for that. I
0: I thought I knew you.
1: It would have been rich. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this we could have failed into saying, hey, let's spend the first 40 minutes, you know, letting this this thing, oh, wow, like 20 minutes in. What's this thing on my back? Is it a goiter or is it a mole? And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then like 45 minutes later, you say, hey, now this is a problem. But it kind of it kind of jumps right in is to say, hey, this woman's got a thing, this thing on her back. It, it's not going away. And then all of a sudden she's being controlled by a 400 years old Indian uh, Native American medicine man.
1: Yeah, uh, you know what freaked me out about that, though? The freakiest part about that was not the fact that she had this ginormous lump on her neck. And it wasn't that the doctor was like, it's growing at this alarming rate. No, it was when she says, it's shifting as if someone turning in their sleep. I was like, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Spiders have laid eggs in the back of your neck, honey. It's a neck wig. It's (laughs) a neck wig. Fucking gross.
2: You think our, our our female hero here with the, with the Manitou nymphs have had many children before? She knows the description of a baby moving inside of her. I gotta mean, imagine. I, I, I'm not a woman, but I imagine only a woman who's been with child would know how that would feel.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, it could have been liquid or something. But if it's, if she was like, I don't know, it just feels like knees. Just <laughs> yeah. feels like knees. in this gigantic. Flesh sack on the back of my neck. That would be that, that would be a
2: problem. See they didn't have that scene in the movie like they have in the dark half where they go into Thad Beaumont's head, and all see to see an eyeball pop out. Oh and, uh, my god. that would be phenomenal. <laughs> By the way, Thad, you got a twin and it's gonna grow into a full grown man one day. But you're not gonna know it. <laughs> oh my god. You were talking about how it jumps right in and it pretty much does.
0: Um, you know, you pretty much start off with the doctors who are like, hmm, could this possibly be some kind of strange torso child or whatever the fuck it is, they say, but then (laughs) then, Tony Curtis and Susan Strasberg spend like, it feels like an hour and a half just rekindling their relationship. And it's all based around that thing on her neck. It's just like, I'm so glad to see you, Harry, by the way.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I have a growth. I have a a growth. Yeah. I have a neck baby.
2: I think it's yours. (laughs) I'm going a, I'm to a go get it checked out eventually because, you know.
1: <laughs> maybe stop it, jizzing it on the maybe. back of women's necks. Man. <laughs> right?
2: See, children, this is what happens when you don't wash your neck properly. You get a manatee growing back there, and, you know, I don't think she should properly wash her neck because your mother always told you to wash your neck and wash behind your ears. And these are important things, and you might grow a Native American baby in the back of your neck as a as a growth. <laughs> and uh, they had the permanent skin sack going on that you could possibly fly off a building with.
0: She should have called Damone. Demone would have taken care of that shit.
2: Oh man, he didn't pay for that abortion though.
0: <laughs> That's true, he did not.
2: <laughs> he was trying to, he was trying to sell them cheap them cheap trick tickets to get the money for the abortion. He, he was trying, you know.
1: I have no idea what y'all are referencing right That's now. That's fine. Oh,
2: this this is a Fast Times original High reference, and oh, okay. he sings the song, everything. What did he say? Uh, what you don't know, the majesty of Rick Nielsen. I probably got that line wrong, you know, but uh. Yeah, he goes through an entire
0: cheap trick kind of spiel. It's really kind of beautiful.
2: He's really trying to sell them tickets, you know. But you never, you never find out if he got, you know, those Earthwind and Fire tickets for Darnell Jefferson and, and Little Brother, you know. You never Jesus. Trying <laughs>
0: All right, so we've already learned from this particular discussion that not washing off neck jizz is bad.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Uh,
0: maybe outside of a, of America, our sex education here is shit okay final question final question go if, for it if you were with somebody who developed a, a, a neck baby <laughs> how would you handle that as as this person's partner
2: well you know me I, I love children that aren't mine you know <laughs> this, so it's a real it's a real you know Brad Paisley he didn't have to be situation to where I would take care of the neck baby like it was my own and you know, we would go on trips, you know, after the mother died from bleeding out, and I could say, hey, his mother died, and take him to the park, because he's, he's like this tiny thing with a big butt, and say, hey, this this is my neck baby. His mother died during childbirth. Want to do it? You know? No, that's so weird. Because if that ain't a sad excuse to say, hey, I deserve some sex after they took on this neck baby, I don't know what is, man. That works better than a tiny dog that I happen to own. Yeah. <laughs> Would you keep the neck baby in a pouch when you're on the train? <laughs> well, that I, I to be one of those, uh one of those uh, Bjorn things you attach to your chest, you know. So <laughs> Which you... I think, walking downtown down, down, down with, a, with a Native American neck baby attached to my back, I think it would be way more entertaining because it would keep people away from you, for one thing. I hate fucking people in general, right. so. And the taurus would just be staring at you, staring at my neck baby, and but they would stay away. I can go into Garrett's popcorn by myself and get me to that, that tasty Chicago mix, and you know the neck baby would be a great people people killer just to keep them away from me. <laughs> oh, okay. Except for people that that, that that understand about the neck baby, I mean, you, know, you guys you guys are cool. Like
1: I kind of think you, you might be able would to. You guys get the neck baby. I think you could accomplish the same thing with a chihuahua. No,
2: but the neck baby. You have more of a story. You have more of a story behind the neck baby. You, you, you <laughs> can try to pull the John Wick thing, saying, you know, my girl died. This is all I was left with was this tiny dog. You got more of a story with a neck baby, a Native American neck baby, than, than anything. Yeah, first, first, of all, I, I'm slightly dark because my, my grandmother was Sicilian, but this thing is dark as hell. I can say, you know what? I found this neck baby on the street and I, I took it as my own. You know, <laughs> there's so many ways you can go with this that would end would, would, would inevitably lead to sex. With you know a divorcee possibly.
1: I don't. I don't think I adopted this neck baby is sexy, Gary. <laughs> I don't know what kind of woman you're up after. I'm not saying. God. I'm not saying it's 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 it's, it's not.
2: I'm not saying that he's sexy, okay. Although he's a little he's, he's a tiny Danzig and everything. Colby calls a tiny Danzig. All I'm saying is that the the pity of me caring for this neck baby who looks malnourished as it is, except for his sweet you know rocking surfers by because this thing's got some abs on it for some Dude, reason yeah he's got
1: a six-pack from hell
2: <laughs> gary will take pity sex all day long i, I don't care you know I'm, I'm shallow neck baby for life man I, I need my own neck baby neck baby for yeah. life
1: that's it we gotta find gary a neck baby god damn that's the funniest fucking thing i've heard in a long time he can get some pity tune with his neck baby <sighs> man.
0: just creating it man you
2: know
1: so
0: it'll keep some people away, except the people that you will use in order to try to seduce them by the presence of the Neck Baby.
2: And the Neck Baby has psychic powers, too, so you know what? That's that's an, another advantage, because me and the Neck Baby are going to be on the same page when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's like the passionate man, too. <laughs> I don't know how many women listeners you have, but I, I promise I'm not a pig. I'm just making jokes for a comedy podcast. I don't know how many women listeners I have either. One.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, we've got at least three. There's Jamie Sammons and Lisa Carrillo and Misty Marchant. And and you? Oh yeah, okay, so four. I guess I qualify as one.
2: Three out of four of those people I know get my comedy. Okay, so there's that. I got that going for me, you know. If you're a woman and you listen to Kiss the Goat,
0: say hi raise up. Say hi. <clears> throat> Iris throat> may pop in every once in a while. That may be okay.
2: See, Iris would support my neck baby as well, see. Iris would support your neck baby, that's the
0: truth.
1: Iris would help you care for that neck baby.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Iris would <sighs> make a great neck baby mama.
2: Neck baby grandma. Man. <clears throat> that, that's another problem when he matures, you know, same problem all over again. Native jizz on the back of her neck, you know, more, <laughs> more neck baby problems. <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs>
0: So you got ninety nine problems but a neck baby ain't one good to know uh, <laughs> uh hey before be- before we hang up tell the people out there um where they can find you and what all you're doing because you do
2: a lot of shit man you can find me in the local park picking up chicks apparently with my neck baby but you know besides besides that, <laughs> besides that uh some of these podcasts where we're, X will show up every now and again. i give given the options to say, hey, this is what we're doing. If you want to come on, come on. It's all good. No pressure. That's done with Suzanne and Iris. Two drink minimum commentaries with Cameron Scott. Blood from the Core, which was mentioned as a new show with me and uh, Mr. Derek Bourgeois, the boo-boo. Uh, that's all about New York-based horror and thriller films. That's going to be Legion Patreon exclusive. So if you're not Legion Patreon, it's as low as $2 a month. And uh, you guys can get on that. And uh, finally... Um, all this stuff is, is coming out now, which makes me happy. I'm I'm back to editing for him again. Last Call of Torches is, is all about Walter Hill films. If you guys don't know who that is, he's a writer, producer, director, auteur. He does he's a he's quite the Renaissance man and he's he had a hell of a run of films, so and during our first show first season of Cinema Beep, first year, we did like eight shows devoted to him and they all got lost in the fire. So we're gonna go deep into them with Cameron Scott. And Lee Russell from They Must Be Destroyed On Site podcast, and that's that's everything, I think.
1: Holy cow. Unless I
2: go do something else, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my goal is to have something out once a week for you guys, so that's why I'm doing so many hats. Well, I hope that
0: all of your podcasts have fine manitous that find their way out into the universe and power themselves into existence from someone's neck.
2: Man, I hope so, too, man. You know, was that... Was that- <laughs> What is that, Champagne Wishes and Manitou Dreams? (laughs) There you go. Control you through your dreams. That's one of these movies missing was some some kick-ass Manitou Dream sequences. You know, I gotta confess,
1: I was afraid you were not gonna like this movie at all, Bug, and I'm really glad to be wrong. Oh no, I thought the Manitou was a lot of fun. I mean, fuck, the devil showed up. He might have looked like the Eye of Sauron, but he did show up. I thought it looked like the
0: Phantom of the Paradise, personally. But, you know, (laughs) you have a bit of a sweet streak to you. Soft spots in places that I have
1: not put my fingers in. Don't you tell anybody. I've got a standard to live up to. But honestly, it doesn't matter how much I like the movie. If there was ever a time when I needed to get absolutely blotto, it is now.
0: Well, then let's help all of our acolytes get cross-eyed and slack-jawed with Lichtenstein's favorite drinking game, Drinking with the Devil, where your love of bad movies meets your disdain for your own liver.
1: Drink! Every time you wish you knew more about Native American spirituality so you could call bullshit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Drink! Anytime Michael and Sarah mentions a new kind of Manitou.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Drink! Each time Tony Curtis asks, so what do we do? That's, that leads in, because <laughs> drink any time Tony Curtis yells at somebody. He does that a lot. <laughs> drink every time there's a cutaway to beautiful San Francisco scenery that does absolutely nothing for the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> drink anytime you hear the word neck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If that doesn't do it, kids, this episode's Grandmaster Challenge Drink whenever someone says, Panawichi Salatou. <laughs> Dude, there's no reason for anyone to be sober at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, unless they don't drink, and some people don't, I guess. And that's a choice, but maybe those people
0: can hit themselves repeatedly in the forehead with a sneaker until
1: they feel somewhat altered. <laughs> What the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) Let people be who they are. Come on. Well,
0: whatever the state of the people who sent in questions this week was, sober or not,
1: we're going to answer that shit because that's the kind of people that we were and am are. It's time for the Singularity's favorite game of questioning and answering, Ask the Goat. Where we answer your questions and you question our answers. As Cootie rummages through the malevolent mailbag... Rummage, rummage, rummage! Please note
0: that you can send us a question any old time you get the hankering by using three specific areas of communication. Then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall
1: be three. Four shalt thou not uh. count... Okay, okay, we get it. Jesus, how many Monty Python references have we made in this episode? All of them. (laughs) Well, just tell the people how they can reach us, okay? The bestest and
0: most easier way would be by sending a question to us on our Facebook group. Do you have the courage to answer the three questions required to join our merry band of crazies? If so, then hit us up at the Kiss the Goat Facebook group, and once you're accepted into our satanic death cult, just post a question there. You know how that works. It's it's
1: it's social media. You can also send us an email at the goat of madness at gmail dot com. Write us a long lonely letter. Send us an MP three file. Sketch an infantile picture of the last thing you ate. I mean whatever's right is right. Finally, you can hit us up on Twitter. Look, we
0: currently have fewer than twenty followers on Twitter and really what the fuck is up with that? <laughs> How in the blistery shit are we going to win a Silver Bowl Award with less than 20 people following our Twitter feed? Send us a question over at the Goat of M A D N E and the numeral one, which is indeed the dumbest fucking Twitter handle of all time, over at the Twitter thing that goes tweet, tweet or something. I don't fucking know.
1: Never going to give that up, are you?
0: Never going to give it up. Never going to let it down.
1: You just rickroll me? No.
0: Yes. Maybe.
1: It's a good thing it's your birthday. Otherwise, I'd fucking punch you in the throat. And I would deserve it. <laughs> All right, let's kick this off with a double shot from one of our favorite human beings, Alan McPherson. We gotta have you back on the show sometime, Al. So Al's first question is: How does Satan feel about the inevitable QAnon nostalgia media that will be ever present in 20 years?
0: I think Satan would probably be sad about that because okay, I don't want it to work. I don't want QAnon to be a thing in 20 years. By the time 20 years rolls by, everybody who's involved should be dead or here's on, hoping on yeah or on their way out. Satan would have to come up with something besides QAnon in order to try to turn uh, this great nation into a land of zombie fascists. <laughs> so I think he'd be just like, oh, stop showing all my shit that failed. I wanted to. I need it to fail. I need it. I need it to fail.
1: So it, it would be like Satan looking back on his Facebook posts from 20 years ago and be like, "Oh my God, that's so embarrassing."
0: Like a drunk, deadbeat dad who sees pictures <laughs> of his grown children, like at Christmas, and he's just like, Aww. oh Aw. <laughs> I could have been part of that, but I just loved meth too much. <laughs> oh my God. Al's second question is Will Alex Jones be reframed as a lovable Rouge a la the Warrens? Is this a good idea? Wait, wait. Rouge or Rogue?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference.
0: I like the idea of Alex Jones in Rouge. Just kind of sexy in that cruising sort of way. <laughs> Do you think Alex Jones knows the Hanky Code? Dude, hips, lips or Sandy Hook false flags, maybe that's all. There is to it. <laughs> oh man, will Alex Jones be reframed into some kind of good guy, some kind of dude who knew what he was talking about? I don't think so. I think that he's going to go down in history as a supreme nut-covered cheese ball. Yes. And be relegated to the same sort of place in history as Criswell and the amazing Creskin. That's what I think. They're just gonna think he was a loon ball with weird theories who made awful predictions and who probably will just fade into obscurity. He's one of those guys where you just kinda think at some point someone's gonna someone's gonna do a safety check on him and they will realize, oh shit, he's been dead for three months and nobody gave a fuck.
1: Oh, his cats
0: ate him. His cat? Jesus. His cats ate him. The last thing he did was masturbate into an American flag. Just. (laughs) You.
1: Man, you guys are on fire tonight. (laughs) Well, Jamie fucking Sammons, whom we love so hard, asks the next question. Jamie wants to know when it comes to goat butts, Tongue or no tongue? If you're not using tongue, why the fuck are you doing it? That's what I'm saying. Tongue or there's no point, y'all. Get up in that thing. Get up in it. If you're going to go, go all the way. Explore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're there. Why not commit? Why not just go all the way with it? Yeah, tongue that goat butt. (laughs) Yep.
0: Derek Bourgeois. Boo-boo poses the following question there's jaws of satan where the devil is in a snake i love jaws of satan do we own jaws of satan no we do not damn it i love jaws of satan what Next other right, okay fair what <laughs> other animal would you think would be fun for
1: the devil to wreak havoc as oh man i think it would be fun to have something just completely unexpected and off the wall like a fucking kangaroo <laughs> <laughs> Satan as a kangaroo. And you have to be let loose in some like big city where people are like, "Is that a fucking kangaroo?" And like, there's there's like alleys, dark alleys where it can hide, so people would be like, "No, that's not a fucking kangaroo." What are you talking? This is London. There are no fucking kangaroos in London, right? <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> was Kangaroo Jack
1: a devil movie? I don't know. Maybe. He would be, like, fast, too, man. And kangaroos are fucking vicious. Oh, they'll kill you. Yeah.
0: They'll kill
2: you Fuck in a fucking you heartbeat. Horrible.
0: They will punch you. I've seen enough Matt Hardy promos. A kangaroo will beat you in the fucking face. My God. Um, that's a great idea to have Satan be kind of an exotic creature. I want Satan to be a chihuahua.
1: Chihuahuas are Satan. I'm pretty sure that they
0: are. I'm pretty sure Chihuahuas are Satan's army of minions already on Earth. But just like this mean-ass motherfucking Chihuahua (laughs) where it's owned by an old woman and she's named it something, you know, like, I don't know, Marty or (laughs) Fluffy or some shit. Just something completely benign, but it's the devil, and at night it just jumps up onto her bed and nips her hamstrings out.
1: It's Francis, the chihuahua. Jesus, Francis. Francis.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck that. Okay, true, no, 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 true story. My my, my aunt, my Aunt Marguerite, back when I <laughs> that was I was wondering. <laughs> no, we gotta say it. I gotta tell okay. people. My Aunt Marguerite had a chihuahua named, of all fucking things, Angel. And that dog hated me hated me for everything it was worth bit my feet bit my ankles barked at me i'm surprised it didn't climb up in bed with me at night and just bite my throat out like some kind of shitty version of cat's eye but my aunt loved that dog so much that when she took it outside to piss she wiped its ass she wiped its ass with a with fucking toilet paper i'm not kidding you it's a it's a don't. It's a dog. Don't do that.
1: Oh my god, Marguerite. We need to. We need to have a cat named Marguerite. <sighs> no, we don't. Yeah. No, do.
0: because she's going to use the fucking cat Manitou and come back. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't need that woman in my house. She not like me. All right. Well, Chris Mounts has an excellent question. Chris wants to know. How come Hollywood thinks Satanism is all black metal and cocaine instead of barbecuing in your backyard to King Harvest dancing in the moonlight while drinking Pepsi vodka? Dude, I love dancing in the moonlight. That is one of my favorite fucking yacht rock songs ever. I fucking love that. And I love that idea, too. Like, I feel like if we were Satanists, I mean, we wouldn't be any different. We would still be grilling in the front yard, staring at the mountains, being like, oh, look at that beautiful thing. But then it'd be like,
0: oh, it's a new moon tonight. Hmm. We should find a badger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think the answer to that, Chris, is that um, that's not sexy. <laughs> it's where not where black metal and cocaine is. You know, you, you've got to, You can't be afraid of a couple of middle-aged people sitting in rocking chairs, <laughs> listening to Fleetwood Mac and grilling chicken. <laughs> like, there's nothing sexy or scary or intimidating about that at all. It's missing trauma. How do you like your burgers, honey? Oh, I'm going to play second-hand news on my iPod
0: that I found.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> hail
1: Satan, do you want fries?
0: Yeah, no, that did not work.
1: <laughs> tater tots, honey, I want tater tots.
0: Okay, honey, hail Satan. <laughs> I'm sorry, now I'm just having the thoughts of a fucking barbecue at the Temple of Set. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why. It would be fucking boring. You can't really be like, we need to call down all the forces of heaven and the clergy against these people who are gardening. <laughs> right.
1: those, those cucumbers are out of control. Oh, my God. There must be the devil in those cucumbers. Somebody get me some holy water.
0: <laughs> Next up, we have a relationship question from one of the great kings of hell. A question which, of course, Cootie and I are well qualified to answer. Oh, boy. I'm a 12,000-year-old lord of the infernal regions, hailing from one of the higher, if not the highest, circle of hell, the letter says. And I find myself in a predicament that I just didn't see coming. I've been in a relationship with Kathy for about nine months now relationship by which I mean I selected her to be the unholy mother of my spawn who will usher in the new eon of terror and damnation. Ooh, lucky girl. Things had been going well between us. At least I thought they had until last Sunday night two weeks ago. It's our regular blasphemous baby night, right? And we were intimate. The mood was right. Pentagram, black candles, goat blood, cultists chanting tennis root potpourri oh when suddenly as she climaxed she cried out asmodeus (gasps) now funny enough i didn't think much of it until the next day i mean i know what you and your listeners must be thinking hell is it known for romantic feelings or harboring creatures that value monogamy and whatnot and If Asmodeus is having her too, so what? But the images and mind movies of the two of them together soon just started popping into my head, and they just wouldn't leave. Asmodeus sexing her up on my altar in front of my cult? Anyway, since then, I've been checking out Asmodeus' Instagram feed and Facebook page just to maybe see what Kathy sees in him. And as you can imagine, that didn't exactly help. He keeps posting pictures of himself shirtless, snowboarding, surfing, rock climbing, making sure everyone sees the six-pack on his smooth, bright red skin. I mean, what a douchebag. (laughs) Can Kathy really be that shallow? I also, and I mean, I'm not proud of this. I never thought of myself as some kind of Glenn Close bunny boiler. I went through her text messages. And while I didn't find any text between them, I did find messages from the cult. They definitely had rituals without calling on me. My days and nights have been filled with uncontrollable fits of crying, eating ice cream, sleeping most of the time, and obsessively checking both of their social media. I feel lost. I don't know what to do. Thanks, Satan, for Beyonce's lemonade. It's been such a source of strength for me. What should I do? How do I move on? Killing her means I'd have to see her every day here in hell, and I'm just not sure I could handle that right now. On the other hand, I can't be without her. What should I do? And the question is signed, Belial.
1: Aww. That's
0: fucking heartbreaking.
1: <sighs> Jesus. It is. Belial, I think that, first of all, you have got to have a conversation with Kathy. You can't assume Because we all know what happens when we assume
0: things.
1: (laughs) Sometimes our instincts are right on the fucking money, but sometimes our insecurities get the best of us, and we start thinking things and creating things in our head that don't exist. So you owe it to yourself and to Kathy to ask if things are cool, right? You also need to
0: ask yourself, what is it in Asmodeus that you don't like? What do you see – in Asmodeus that is making you feel this way. Does he present something that that you want to be? Do you want to be the one who's out there surfing and snowboarding? Is there something that he's doing that you need to incorporate into your life? So ponder your cosmic relationship with Asmodeus before you really start coming hard on Kathy to um, murder her. Which, you know, <laughs> that's certainly an option. But I, I think ponder it first, find out what it is about Osmodeus that gets you riled up, and then kind
1: of work on yourself. Go for there. And it could be that Kathy loves you and is devoted to you, but maybe she's a little bit bored. Maybe y'all need to spice things up a bit. All of these things can be solved by communication. Have you tried listening to King Harvest's Dancing in the Moonlight? <laughs> it could help. It it couldn't hurt. (laughs) Well, we've saved the best for last. Chris Mounts wants to know, when Lorraine Warren is scissoring the evil out of Rose the Hat in Rolf and X's fanfic, does Ed just stand in the corner and hold his wife's purse the whole time? All right.
0: (laughs) This is going to take some explanation, okay? Somehow, Rolf Pickler and I got into a discussion of a sexual relationship between Lorraine Warren and Rose the Hat, the villain from Dr. Sleep. Now, I've read somewhere that Ed and Lorraine Warren had a third member of their relationship. She was a woman who lived on their property in a detached garage. So I thought, well, yeah, shit, Rose would fit into that weird sort of conglomeration like the Warrens, no problem. But the problem is now we have to talk about the Warrens. And I guess by tangential connection, our opinions of the Conjureverse, because by virtue of those movies, Ed and Lorraine Warren have become folk heroes. And Rose the Hat, with her tendency towards eating children and burying them under the Little League ball field, has not.
1: <laughs> yes, she has not.
0: <laughs> We've seen every Conjureverse movie. We have. Every single movie fucking one of them. We finally broke down a few weeks ago and watched the third one, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. And it's an interesting kind of shift from the other two main franchise Conjuring flicks because in this one, Ed and Lorraine really become sort of like, almost like Nick and Nora Charles, you know? They're going to, they have a a case, and they're going to solve the case, and they're like detectives in this. But it bases itself a lot on Lorraine's psychic visions, which I don't know if she actually had those in real life. I mean, I just I I just there's no way to prove if she did or or did not. Right. That's what I was going to say. But for being a franchise, which is essentially horror movies for Catholics, the controversy is not bad, but. I think I liked this last one more than I liked the first two. I liked the shift of them not being just, you know, the soldiers of the light or some bullshit like that. And coming down to we're doing actual research, we're visiting people, we're doing... talking to the cops and getting case files and shit like that. I liked that idea. I liked that a lot. But I also enjoyed how... Spoilers! In the end of The Devil Made Me Do It, it wasn't just this point in a ritual where God comes down and smacks his mighty hand against the demon. It wasn't that at all. It was fucking Ed Warren with a goddamn sledgehammer. That shit was awesome! It was so great. It was so Triple H. It really was. (laughs) It was Triple H. So... A lot of people are dragging the third Conjuring movie. I liked it better than the other two. Probably just me, but fuck, that was, that was okay. It still had issues. It still had parts where I just fucking laughed out loud, like <laughs> this is the stupidest goddamn thing ever. But even though it's based on a, a, a true case, which Rolf and I have talked about, it felt more like a fiction movie, and I think it worked Better for me.
1: I really liked it. Um, and I just have to say, going back to the question, Rose the Hat is fucking hot. Oh, dude, she totally I don't, is. Oh, my God. I don't know that I really want to picture her with Lorraine Warren, because she was not. Rose but has better hair. I, well, yeah.
0: Lorraine's hair looks like a wasp nest you find up under the eave of a garage.
1: It was, yeah. Yeah, it it was pretty much a work of art. I don't know that the actual Ed Warren would stand in the corner and hold Lorraine's purse, but yes, he would. I think yes, he would. I think that the, the character that they have created out of Ed Warren in the Controverse movies most definitely would. He'd stand <laughs> in the corner with his fucking acoustic guitar and sing an Elvis song. Just wanking, playing the guitar with the one hand, just strumming the best he could.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, Rose and Lorraine are 69 on each other, and Lorraine's praying, and Rose is biting too hard, and just. <laughs> and fingernails, just like...
1: Rose, fingernails.
0: Right, and heads just like so good. This is so fucking good. I love it so much. I'm so, so... mommy, mommy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> So I think out of the out of the entire controversy though, I think I like this third one the best, and that's including a majority of the spin offs, although those last two Annabelle movies, I really enjoyed those.
1: Yeah, those were those were fun creep. Yeah. I didn't like the first one.
0: And I fucking hated the nun ever so much. Yeah. We paid to see that. We went to the fucking theater yeah, to see we went that to the and fucking we were theater. so mad. It was just like I'm angry at this movie. Let's go get drunk now because fuck.
1: <laughs> well, I still say I want to revisit all of them. I'd like to watch them all again. Oh, and we, we, we've got them. It's fun. Yeah. I just want to sit here
0: and say Valak. Valak. See if anybody gets possessed by that shitty
1: movie. <sighs> oh, Jesus. Okay, well, that took a little minute. Oh, look honey. Stephanie brought you a cake. Isn't that sweet? Happy birthday, baby. Oh, thank you. Well, that was kind. Do you have a knife? Uh,
0: No, no. I want to get a piece of that. Okay, well, I want some too. It's chocolate. That is exactly what I wanted.
1: Oh, are you pleased?
0: This isn't chocolate.
1: Oh, it's not? This is shit. Oh, it's not good. No, it's shit. This is literal shit. This is poop with frosting on it. What? Stephanie! Stephanie! That was a very naughty thing to do.
0: I will throw up.
1: Oh, okay, honey, well, spit it outside and get something to drink. I just swallowed Stephanie's shit. Her shit
0: is in my mouth. All I can taste is shit.
1: <sighs> okay, well, until next time, I'm This Is this coleslaw? Did you eat coleslaw, Stephanie? God, I swear to fuck, I can taste coleslaw. That's X!
0: Hell, <laughs> Satan! <laughs> Jesus, there's corn stuck between my teeth.
1: Oh, yeah, I think Stephanie meant well. I have shitty coleslaw and corn between my teeth. Well, a- happy birthday?
0: Fucking hell. Alright, coming in free Well, let <laughs> me rephrase that Giggity This is your fault You do this to me
1: Well, you know, we killed off The majority of the Native Americans And subjugated the rest So we had to go elsewhere to look for people to portray them in movies <laughs> That's right, we didn't think that far ahead We didn't right.
0: think, oh, we're going to need these people In the 20s To play themselves and get shot
1: Colonialism Gotta love it
0: why do I write hard shit for myself? you write
1: it for me, too. I'm still trying to figure out how to pronounce those Philippine city names. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, didn't write? I mean, those are real cities. I didn't fucking just come up with just I quit. I have been exercising a young woman for many weeks now. 39 demons have already been cast out. Five of these demons come from the movies. The de- demon. De- try that again. Uh, Demoniac. Demoniac. Or demoniac, if you're Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two... I
0: really am in here. I'm just opening sure.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I realized when it was silent in my headphones, but I could hear the sound of the can being cracked open in there that, uh, that's what you were doing. Michael and Sarah used to be
0: married to Barbara
1: Eaton. Oh, no kidding. No
0: kidding? That's crazy. Well, she was a hot potty. <laughs> Fucking A she was. Oh, damn. <laughs> 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 Sorry. I
1: heard did I that. unmute too soon? That <laughs> was funny. I heard that. Could he just blew her nose, everybody? She was no, just... that was me hitting the microphone with the napkin after I blew my nose. Okay.
0: All right. So, John's singing. John? Yeah. I'm
1: going to tell you the truth. I'm super
0: glad that our daughter did not name any of her children Misquamacus. That would be really difficult. This is our daughter, Rhiannon. This is her husband, Brady. And here's our grandbaby, Miss <laughs> Please call him Ted, cause no one can fucking pronounce <laughs> Miss Quemacus.
1: We just call it Missy. <laughs> that would be the river I would never remember on a history test. It would be. You'd be calling it the Mixmaster River. <laughs> <laughs> Maximilian.
0: Machu Picchu what it is <laughs> <coughs> oh shit fix I didn't post sorry y'all it seems like I had another question about the the movie besides just you know did you like it because
2: did you like the movie
0: I mean
1: obviously I like the
2: movie 404th <laughs> Fourth of.
1: no we've got at least three there's Jamie Sammons and Lisa Carrillo and Misty Marchant and, and you oh yeah Okay, so four. Okay, I guess
2: four. I three, three out of four <laughs> of those people I know get my comedy, okay? So there's that. I got that going for me, you know.
0: The next baby currently lives on the 10th floor of the Sisters of Jerusalem Hospital in San Francisco.
2: <laughs> got a prom night man or two baby. That went, that went other places. <laughs> it could have went that way. The prom night man or two baby, you know, the dumpster baby, the, the best... Uh. Dumpster baby, there. The dumpster baby that's out for revenge.
1: Oh fuck! I miscounted. I needed three drinking points. I only wrote two. God damn it. Drink anytime
0: the doctors say that um, there's nothing wrong with her having a fetus in her fucking
1: neck <laughs> They don't actually say that, do they? They're like, it's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be fine. Drink. Every time there's a cutaway to beautiful San Francisco... San Francisco? San Fran... (laughs) Try that again in three, two... San Francisco, kid.
0: (laughs) Well, the bestest and most easier way would be sending a question to us by the Facebook group. That didn't make a goddamn bit of sense. (laughs) let me get another drink and I'll come back in on that fuck of <laughs> shit, sad, <second>. uh, <laughs> sad Satan is he in a shed is he in a shed my sad Satan is he the one who puts me on the path to sadness and up one? next up we have the relationship questions we have eight questions god damn it let me open this fucking beer
1: <sighs> <laughs> have another darling
0: I'm gonna Watch me now. (laughs) (laughs) We get it almost every night. Okay, come on back in. Three, two.